Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. John chapter 15. Please turn your copy of God's Word to John chapter 15. As Kendra mentioned in uh, speaking about that being Ace's favorite song, I had the opportunity to see him a couple of times before he passed. And a little over a week ago, I got to see him in the hospital, and he, I never saw any fear. Now, Ace was a man, as many of you know, uh, came to Christ through the ministry of this body, and I had the opportunity to baptize him probably uh, maybe about a, uh, five more or more years ago. I can't remember the exact when it happened. But I do remember very distinctly a few years ago when he was first diagnosed with cancer before it went into remission a few years ago. He pulled me to the side after church one night. And he said, you know, Pastor Sam, I'm going to tell you something I'm not going to tell anyone else. So, okay. Didn't know where he was going with that. He said, I don't want to tell anybody because I don't want to worry him. But he said, I'm going to tell you. He said, you know, when God wants to take me and I'm going to go and be with Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready. When it's time for, for me to go see him, I'm ready to go. And that spirit, that, that readiness to be with the Lord had carried through all the way through the end of his life. And it was very apparent when I visited him in the hospital and saw him. And I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to develop a friendship with Ace over the years and to see him come to the Lord and to be baptized and follow the Lord. And, you know, I, the idea of friendships, maybe, I don't know, I can't speak for all of you watching here and at home, but... I know friendships have been pretty key in my life and that the Lord has used friends. And when I first moved to Illinois from Florida in 2004, I didn't have any friends. I had some family, uh, but I didn't really have any people here at the time when I first moved that I could call friends. And I went through a very uh, deep time of depression in that time. And over the years since I've been able to make friends, and maybe you can relate to this too, when it seems like you have friends and you're developing those relationships, it definitely makes a huge difference in your mood and really in your overall outlook of life. And my best friend, who I actually will celebrate his birthday tomorrow, uh, he he and I kind of lost touch a little bit over the years. And when I almost passed away in 2017, he reached out again and we were able to uh, rekindle that friendship. And we, now we talk two to three times a week, every week, and it has made all the difference in the world in my life and in, in my walk with the Lord and relationships with others. And I had the opportunity this last week to go to Michigan to uh, spend some time with, for those of you as a church family, both online and here, prayed uh, for Joey, who received an, a new liver. Uh, and we had had the opportunity to talk some, both he and, and his wife, Katie, to talk some over the years, but we really got to know each other a lot better this last week when we went to go visit them in Michigan. And it, it's interesting because it's been joked that Jesus' greatest miracle was having 12 friends in his adult life that, that he saw all the time. You know, but there's something to that, though. And I, I, even though it's a joke, uh, I think it really reveals a, a somewhat tragedy in our lives as we get older and become adults and we lose those connections and those friendships and the importance of having them. And as I thought about all of this, and I thought about the song that I asked Kendra to lead us in tonight, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, I thought... How many times have we as Christians heard this song sung without truly taking the time to consider what a friendship with Jesus really means? We sing the song, the words come in, they go out. But do we really stop and think about what it means to actually be a friend 
of Jesus's and, and he, our friend. And just as important, have we ever taken the time to think about his words and to understand what he actually teaches about friendship from how he models it? Because we see him model friendship as well in the Gospels and in the life of the disciples. So the words and the actions bear out him teaching about friendship. And when you look at the text, we're going to see in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17, we're going to read that now. And you'll see all of that setup was leading to this. He writes in verse 12 of John chapter 15, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So when we look at John chapter 15, earlier in this passage is the passage that I know that I've preached on several times and that you've most likely heard, at least from me, if not other places, where Jesus describes himself as the vine dresser. And, or rather, he's the vine, God's the vine dresser, we are the branches. So he paints this picture, this portrait of a vineyard, and God is essentially the, the vine keeper and the vine uh, dresser, and he essentially rules over the vineyard, it's his. And in that vineyard is a vine, and that is Jesus. He paints that picture in the earlier verses, 1 through 12. And we are branches of that central vine. So there's a connection. And I'm not going to re-preach that message for you tonight. I've done it before. You can, it's online. You can find it. But it's interesting because normally when we get to verse 11 with that passage, oftentimes we generally stop there. But then what we see as we continue on is after we see this allegory or parable that he gives the disciples of a vine and a vine dresser, he explains to them through that passage the importance of remaining in fellowship with him and friendship with him as well as living a fruitful life. So he talks about being fruitful in that passage prior. He touches on it again here that we'll see tonight, but primarily talks about being fruitful there. He concludes with telling them uh, at the end of that passage that this idea of remaining in him and being connected to him and really ultimately being connected to others is the key to finding joy in life. He says that your joy would be complete. Now, Following that section in verses 12 through 17, he moves from talking about this idea of fellowship with him to the nature of having a friendship with him. So it's almost like it goes a little bit deeper there. And he notes that transition in depth in this passage that we'll see tonight. He shares some facts associated with this idea of forming friendships that are in its modeled in how he forms friendships with us and how we are friends with him. And I think often when we look at this passage, we think of it from the standpoint of being a believer and serving him in ministry and doing all of these things and, and making sure we stay on the boss's good side, right? If we're not careful, that's kind of how we approach God and we approach Jesus even, our Savior. It's like, oh, as long as I'm, you know, doing the right stuff and not doing the wrong stuff, I'm not going to get in trouble with the boss. But Jesus wanted the disciples to understand that their relationship was much deeper and much more profound and much more meaningful than just being a servant or just working for the man, so to speak. And he sees that, and we see that demonstrated in how he addresses them. And as we look at this passage tonight, in verses 12 through 17, we're going to see three facts for forming friendships from Jesus. Intentional tongue twister. 
right? I know you're going to be like, okay, say that three times fast. But that's what we're going to see from the text. We're going to see three facts for forming friendships from Jesus. We're going to see three things that he teaches us about how to uh, have good friendships and that we learn from both his modeling and how he lives it out with the disciples as well as the words that he shares with them. So as we look at this particular text, in the first three verses, we see friendship fact number one. Friendship fact number one. Genuine friendship involves love. Involves love. I would even argue that if you don't love your friends, then maybe they're not truly your friends. Maybe they're just associates, connections. Maybe there's another title or term for them. But we see from the text in how Jesus talks with the disciples that there is love. And love is foundational. It's a foundational requirement for lasting friendship. In verses 12 through 14, he says, this is my commandment. Very first thing, he begins and ends this passage with this statement or a similar statement. In 12 and 17, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So before launching into this concept of friendship and his friendship with the disciples, he says, look, guys, it all starts with love. And in truth and in reality, if love is not the foundation for your friendships, then I would argue that maybe there's another term you should probably use. Because that is so important to actual, actual genuine lasting friendships is that component of love of loving one another. Not a a romantic love or an eros love or anything like that, but an actual, uh, there's another word in the New Testament for that, which we derive the city of Philadelphia from. So that's the city of brotherly love. And that's that's the love that we have here. Now, God's love and Jesus' love is deeper than that. But the best that we can hope to attain is that brotherly love. Because we can try to love like Jesus, but we can't love perfectly all the time. But there is still him reinforcing that idea of the requirement or foundation of love in our relationships. So he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Basically, do the best you can as is humanly possible. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes on to share an example of what that could look like. He talks about another nuance of this loving friendship. He gives the example of sacrifice 13 greater love has no one than this so this is he says this is the benchmark greater love is no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends now when we know something about the bible and we know something about jesus and we know something about what he is known for oftentimes we think of his sacrifice on the cross for our sin you know it's something that we celebrate with the resurrection at easter We celebrate that at Christmas and that he was born as a baby to grow up and be sinless and perfect and that to die on that cross for our sin. But we know often that Jesus is associated with the sacrifice that he made for us. And that is the ultimate demonstration of his love for us. But I think he's hitting at something here. Because remember, his audience is the disciples. And by virtue, eventually us. So he's sharing with them the commandment or what they're called to do to demonstrate love through friendships, relationships, and it should be marked by sacrifice. Now, uh, there's a way in which I word this because I think it's important for us to understand the nuance of what he's talking about here. We see that love is a foundational requirement for lasting friendship, but also that love should be marked by selfless, sanctified sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes in our relationships, if we're not careful, we can be manipulative when we, are, when we believe we're making sacrifices for people. 
However, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm risking it diving deep down the psychological well here with how people think and, and how they behave and motivation and behavior and those kinds of things. But we have to be careful to make sure that we guard against acting like a martyr in our relationships. Because Jesus died for us, but he's the only one who is actually a martyr and has the right to be. Because if we don't, if we love in a way that we believe is sacrificial, but actually isn't for the best of the one loved, then it's selfish. I hope you're following with me. I hope you're tracking with me on that. There is a distinction there in that true sacrificial love is selfless. It's selfless. So we're called to sacrifice for our friends and our relationships and things, but we're to do so in a way that is selfless, that we have nothing to gain from it. We don't benefit from making that sacrifice for them whatsoever. We don't even get the good feeling of feeling like we sacrificed for them because then we're crossing over into it becoming selfish. And yet we're called to do that. We're called to make those sacrifices. And we're called to do that in a way that is not selfish. And he models that because him dying on the cross for our sin was in no way selfish. It was entirely for us. He took on all of our sin. He paid that price entirely for us so that we could be the beneficiary. And that ultimately is the kind of sacrificial love that he calls us to in our lives and our relationships. He calls us to be giving to others, to be sacrificial, but to do so for the benefit of the one that we are sacrificing for with nothing to gain in return. And that is why he was perfect at that. And he sets the standard in the bar very high. And we do the best that we can to try to reach that, but we don't get to say, I'll never be Jesus, so I'm not going to try. Because he doesn't let the disciples get away with that, and he doesn't let us get away with that either. He calls us to make sacrifices in our friendship, to be giving, to uh, exhaust ourselves for others in a way that we don't gain, but they do for their benefit. So we see that love is a foundational requirement, and it's marked by selfless sacrifice. And ultimately, as we continue in the text, and we look at verse 14, we see that it's demonstrated through consideration and or submission to the other person. So he says, you are my friends in verse 14, if you do what I command you. Now, again, we have Jesus setting a very high bar where he's saying that friendship is modeled and demonstrated by one person submitting to the other. And Jesus, because he's God, gets to make that call. But what does that look like when we look at it from the standpoint of our human friendships and relationships? And I would venture to say that what we, what we, how we process that and apply that in our own human relationships is that, again, we look at what's best for the other person. And if they make a request that is not sinful or outside the bounds of what Scripture calls us to do, that we consider helping, assisting, doing, or considering whatever it is that they ask without, again, looking with a handout to try to get something from it. Now, there is a sense in which as sinful humans, we always have a handout. We are tempted to not do something unless we have something to gain from it. It's human nature. You see it everywhere, even in church. But again, Jesus sets that bar very high, and he says to consider one another, and we see throughout the epistles also, to consider one another more than ourselves. And that's what he's talking about here, I believe. Now, he has the right to make commands and demands. He died for us. He paid for that. We looked at that some last week even. But when we're talking about human relationships, I do believe we have a responsibility in our friendships 
when they make requests or ask us to do something, or there is that kind of an exchange in the relationship, that we at least consider it and we do so without looking for what we can get out of it. Because again, that goes against every way in which we are wired as people. But Jesus calls us as Christians and as believers to a higher standard. He models, he demonstrates through his life and through his sacrifice, the high bar with which we're to strive for our friendships. But the foundation is love. And we see that some of the characteristics of, of it are that selfless sacrifice. And that it's modeled through considering one another is more important than ourselves. We see that again throughout the epistles. But I don't believe that you can have a genuine friendship with someone else without some kind of love as a foundation on some level. We're going to see more about why that is the case as we move along in the text. But hold on to that because we see that in 12 and then he hits it again in 17. The importance and the foundation of love in the friendship. But as we look at those first three verses, I want to ask you tonight, if you were to survey and evaluate the friendships that you have in your life, would you say that you genuinely love those people? That you are willing to make a sacrifice for them if need be, with which you have nothing to gain, even good feelings, but would you do it because you genuinely love them? Does that characterize or mark your friendship with them? And are you willing to demonstrate that love through consideration for them, even if it goes against what you might want or what you might think you might get out of it. Because ultimately, that is the bar for friendship that Jesus sets at the very beginning for us in that friendship, genuine friendship, involves love. In fact, genuine friendships are built on it. So think about that. Ask yourself that as we continue along. And my encouragement to you is this. Look at those friendships. Ask that question. And you know, if you haven't ever communicated to the friends in your life that you have, don't take them for granted. Tell them that you love them, that you care about them, and that you ultimately do want what's best for them. And even though you might be selfish sometimes, you want to grow in the Lord and consider ways or find ways to consider them first and put them first. We see that first here in the text. That's our first friendship fact. Genuine friendship involves love. The second is this. And some of us are going to go, I don't know about that one. Love I can do, but this next one, ah. Friendship fact number two. Genuine friendship, and yeah, some of you, I can see some of your faces already before I've even said the word. Genuine friendship involves transparency. Some of you are going, that's a yikes. But that is the case. And this is why it's important. And the, the reason why, the first reason why it's so important is because transparency in a relationship moves that relationship from professional to personal. Because you've probably got work friends, and there are probably, with those work friends, things you might not communicate to them, particularly if you are in a, a competitive field. Because as much as you would like to believe those people that you work with are your friends, ultimately when money's on the line, there is a competitive element. That is, again, human nature. And Jesus says, you know what, I want you guys to get beyond the idea that I'm your boss and you just work for me. And he speaks to that here in verse 15. He says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. In this, Jesus says, look guys, this is who I am. This is who the father, this is who God is. This is his plan. This is his agenda for your life. This is what he wants for you. This is what he asks for you. This is what he's done for you and is doing for you. And we see all of that in the text of Scripture. And think about this. 
The disciples also had the benefit of traveling with Jesus for three years. So they were privy to all kinds of other facts and feelings and situations and experiences and opportunities that they had to talk to Jesus that we don't even get. However, we do get who God is. We get that he loves us. We know who he is from the text. We, we can see his attributes. We can see how he interacts with other people. He lets us in on who he is. And Jesus wants the disciples to understand that they are not just working for him, but they are actual friends with him. They're not just work colleagues, but they are personal people that he is doing life with. And that's what our friendships should be as well. Because if the only friends that we have in life are those that we work with, what happens when we change jobs? What happens when we're no longer in the same life rhythm as those people? And maybe we have to move or go somewhere else. You know, some friendships do last beyond that, but they are few and far between. And what we see here is the importance of having friendships that move beyond that professional relationship to a relationship of transparency, where they know you and you know them, just like Jesus models for us in his relationship with God and God and Jesus' relationship with us. So we see it transitions the relationship from professional to personal. It involves sharing information with the goal of knowing the other person. God wants us to know him. That's why he gave us this book and all of these pages and all these writings. But even more importantly, even more importantly, and here's where it ties into what we just saw in the first 11 verses of the chapter. Even more importantly, Jesus lives within us and he wants us to know him so much that he and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, reside within us. So that we can constantly talk to him. Imagine that, always having your best friend with you. But imagine that you treated your best friend like you treat Jesus, or I treat Jesus. Where he's always there, but we don't ever really talk to him. We don't acknowledge him. We don't spend time with him. We just kind of take advantage of the fact that he's there. And we, it probably would take us a little while to figure out that he wasn't on a given day. What we see here is that we have a God who wants us to know him, and he wants to know us so much so that he lives within us through the Holy Spirit. So it involves transparency involves sharing information and doing life and intimacy and getting to know the other party or the other person. And ultimately, this transparency builds trust. Now, as I was working through this passage, you can imagine, and I hope you do imagine, all of the different concepts and terms of Christianese that I've been exposed to and you've been exposed to for decades. You know, trust the Lord, let Jesus into your heart, like all of those things that we just say, but we don't always unpack. But I think when we understand what Jesus is talking about here with the disciples, and I think when we understand what Jesus really wants from us, and that's a genuine friendship relationship, not just a boss, a supervisor and subordinate, it helps us understand those terms, like what it means to let Jesus live inside of you and to be in your heart. And what it means to, to know him, actually know him like a friend. And to have that trust when we say, just trust the Lord. Well, what does that mean? And we go to that, that silly superficial chair analogy, right? Where if you sit in a chair, you know, if you don't check it first, and that's trust. But really, I mean, this is so much deeper than that. Because there's a transparency and an intimacy that we have with the Lord. Because as scary as it is, he's always there. He knows everything about you. He sees everything that you do, he hears everything that you say, and he is always there all the time. And really, isn't it, even though it's scary, kind of freeing to know that you have someone like that? I know it is for me. 
and to know that even when he sees and he hears and he's with us in those times where, where we're doing things we shouldn't because we are sinful, that he loves us anyway and that he doesn't leave. Because he's promised that he won't leave us when we know him and we have a relationship with him. How many friends have you had walk out of your life? For whatever reason, whether the friendship just broke apart or somebody did something or said something or maybe there was just distance and it went away. With Jesus, you don't ever have to sweat that. He's always there. He always cares. And he loves you and he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. Because transparency is a key component in genuine friendship. And if you are going to move your friendships to the next level, it involves getting to know that person them getting to know you, and you building trust with them. Which is super hard, because as people, we often want to keep others at arm's length. But if you want to know what genuine friendship is, and you want to know what Jesus models for us, it's that. It's transparency. He says, I know, he says, I, I, I know I mean, you're not my servants. I've heard all from my Father, and I've made it known to you. Look, guys, this is it. This is who I am. This is who he is. We already know who you are. Let's develop this friendship. So as you look at the friendships in your own life and you look at where they are, are they superficial friendships that you just utilize to get through the day or the week or whatever, where it's people you can joke around with and you can talk about facts with, or maybe you can tell them something going on in your life, but you don't get too deep more than that because you want to make sure you keep everybody out here. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, I want to share with you. There's so much more to be had in your friendships if you get beyond arm's length. And even though it's hard and it's risky, and yeah, you can get hurt, you're actually hurting yourself just as much with all you're missing out on by leaving everybody out here. You just don't feel it yet. So we see the friendship fact number two, genuine friendship involves transparency. We see it's foundational, love is the foundation of it, it's the first fact. The second fact is it involves transparency. The third one, the third one, verses 16 and 17. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The third friendship fact, the third necessary component, if we're going to have genuine friendships in life, is that it involves choice. How do we know this? Think about all of the friends that you had when you were in school. Constantly surrounded by people, you went up through the grades, you literally spent 12 years with these people. Where are they now? Probably most of them are gone. Even if they were people that you used to do sports with or other activities with, maybe you spent the night at their house, maybe you did things with your families. But where are they now? And that was simply because those relationships were part of a natural rhythm of your life at that time. You were all doing the same things at the same time in the same proximity. And by all accounts, as you were growing up and, you know, back when we were kids and our brains weren't mature yet, we just assumed that those people were all of our friends. But then we reach a point in life where we go our separate ways. We could have spent 12 years with someone, still live in the same town, but go work different places and we never see or hear from that person again. And the reason is because genuine friendship involves choice. At some point, a choice has to be made for the two parties to continue the relationship regardless of the circumstances. And that is ultimately what we see in our own life and the connections that we have. 
and what we see with Jesus Christ when he says, you guys didn't choose me. You're kind of going along for the ride initially. I came into your life. You're following me. You think you chose me, but not until you actually make that choice to follow me, no matter where I go, no matter what I do. It comes with some cost. It comes with some sacrifice. That's when it becomes a choice. And if you were someone who grew up in church even, maybe you were born under the front pew back when they had pews because your parents made you come every Sunday. You didn't have a choice. You just went because you were made to. You see it time and time again with kids. They become teenagers. They become college students. And then they walk away from the church forever and have nothing to do with it anymore. Why? Because they actually never made a choice to have a relationship first with Christ and also with other believers. Because no matter whether or not you're always exposed to it and around it, if you don't make that choice, there is no relationship. And it works that way with the Lord, and it works that way with the people in our life. Because genuine friendships involve choice. Choice initiates authentic relationship, genuine friendship, real friendship, not just circumstantial acquaintances. We see that it includes also, some, another component here that I think we skip over sometimes, because he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And he chose us for a specific purpose. And I think this is also a struggle for us sometimes in our relationships. Why does he say he chose them? He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that, or, or that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So when God chooses us for relationship and friendship, it's not because God just wants somebody that he can watch football with on the weekends. It's not just because he wants somebody to pal around with and hang around with and joke and all that. Well, well, I believe God does have a great sense of humor and he does want to do those things with us. He also wants more from us than that. Because what does he say to the disciples why he chose them to be friends? Because he wants what's best for them. He wants to see them grow and mature and live in him. And share his love with other people so that they too can grow in him and know him and have that relationship with him. And I think sometimes that's what we miss in our friendship relationships as well. We forget that we choose people or should choose people because we want to make their life better. We want to help them grow. We want to encourage them in goodness and to achieve their God-given potential and also to help them help other people know God. But I think sometimes we also miss out on that depth in our friendships too, because we like to keep our friendships superficial sometimes. Not only do we not want to be transparent, we also struggle with risking that they might outgrow us. How many times have you wrestled, and maybe you haven't, maybe it's just me, have you wrestled with encouraging a friend that you care about and are close to to do something because you're concerned that they might be too busy for you, or they might move away and go do something else? Or they might somehow not want you anymore. Or, if we're being honest, folks, those of you playing at home as well as here, they might not need us as much anymore. And so what we do is not encourage them to grow and to bear fruit. But what do we see here with God? Naturally, we can never outgrow God. It's not possible. But we see that ultimately he models for us this idea of choosing us in order for us to grow and achieve maturity in him, to be the best version of ourselves that we can be in our relationship with him and with others. And yeah, it's scary. It's scary because we're working with people who are sinners just like us. And we do have those fears and those insecurities and those concerns. And we do fight to hold on to those 
relationships. We're not willing to be transparent, but we also don't want to lose it either. You know, that's, that's the rub of being a sinful human being. But we see that God and Jesus Christ ultimately models for us that idea of choice, that he chooses us and he chooses us with a purpose and it's for our benefit and growth. He empowers us in our relationship with him and models for us the importance of empowering our friendships as well and helping the people in our lives that we love and that we care about to be the best that they can be for the Lord. And we see ultimately that choice is also the catalyst for demonstrating love to others. And I believe that's why Jesus finishes with that here in verse 17. So he makes like a, it's a sandwich of sorts, you know? Those are two pieces of bread there, the commandment to go love one another. So he says, this is my command. This is what, you know, you're expected to do. I love you. I've modeled for you how to do it. I've given you the plan. I told you, hold you how to do it. I'm there for you. I'm not going anywhere. You know who I am. And he says, ultimately, I want you to go out to bear fruit, to grow and be the best possible believer that you can be, grow in maturity in Christ. And then I want to remind you that the important component of all of that is loving one another. And that's what we see here in verse 17. Because he knows that this idea of love is a choice. See, as people, we're told by society, by media, by culture, that love just happens. Our friendships just happen. There's, they should be effortless. And we should feel like being friends with everybody who's our friend in our life all the time. And we buy into that. And then when we encounter some kind of turbulence or difficulty, we separate. You see it in friendships. You see it in families. You see it in marriages. You see it in all the different relationships that we as people, when we listen to the voice of the culture versus the voice of Christ, and we think that we aren't making a choice. It just happens, and we just let it happen. But Jesus tells us love is a choice. And he called the disciples in that moment to make a choice to go and to love others and to help others grow in him and to develop those relationships because choice is a catalyst for demonstrating love. If you're going to grow in your relationship with both Christ and other people, you have to make a choice. It's not just going to happen. If you're sitting around as a believer just hoping that all of a sudden you're going to be closer to Jesus, it won't happen. You have to cultivate that relationship with him and grow in him, and that is a choice. It involves time, it involves intimacy, and it involves ultimately choosing to make the time for him. Choosing him above the other relationships and people and things in your life. Because that order is Jesus, others, and then us. That's the intended order for our relationships. So we see, if we're going to understand what friendships truly are, and we're going to understand what Jesus models for us about what it means to be a friend of his and a friend of others, it involves love, it involves transparency, and it involves making a choice. I want to encourage you right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As we see that Jesus models for us with his words and ultimately his life in scripture, these three facts, love, transparency, and choice. As you reflect on your relationship with him, because he's offering his, his friendship with you, he's offered it to you. If you have a relationship with him, you're in a relationship with him. As you think about your relationship with Christ and those three things, what kind of friend have you been to him? What kind of friend have you been to Christ? 
Have you demonstrated your love to the Lord? Have you been fighting him and not allowing him to know what he already knows about you? Have you been choosing to give your time to him? Because that's what he wants more than anything else, is time. And maybe you're here and you're going, well, I've never really made the choice to have a friendship with Christ. I've heard about those things about asking Jesus into your heart. And, you know, I've heard about trusting him. And I've heard about all of those things. A lot of Christians say those things. Didn't really know what they meant. But I think now, I think now I might get it a little bit. If that's you, I would love to talk with you tonight. And really, at any point, if you want to know more about what it means to be friends with Christ and to have that trust relationship with him, and to know that if you were to die today, you would go and be with God, that you would be with him forever. He is the most important friend that you will ever have. Now, as you reflect on that, I also, if you know Jesus and you've had a friendship with him for some time, a relationship, Think about now your friendship with others, other people, the relationships in your life, the people that you would say, yeah, those are my friends or they're mine. How are you doing with demonstrating love to them? How are you doing with being transparent? How are you doing with exercising choice and choosing them before yourself? Maybe as you think about those friendships that you've got, some Confession and reconciliation is in order. Maybe it means giving somebody a call or shooting them an email or a text. Or if you see them in person saying, hey, you know, I don't feel like that I've let you know how much I care about you and how much I value our friendship and what it means. Maybe that needs to happen. I want to encourage you to do that. If you have someone in your mind today as we're thinking about this, seek that person out this week. Reach out to them and let them know. That God has been leading you to grow in your friendship with them. I would also invite you and encourage you, if you do want to talk about any of those relationships or how best to build some of those bridges or reconcile some of those things, please seek me out. I would love to talk with you about that and what God's Word says about it and how you can best accomplish that. And Or maybe you're, you're sitting here or watching and you're going, I don't really feel like I have any friends in life outside of Jesus. I would love to help connect you as well with other people who I can, I can tell you will love you and care about you, that will let you get to know them and will choose to be in your life. Father God, thank you so much for friendship and thank you for the way in which you use your body to be friends with one another when we love one another, when we're transparent with one another and when we choose one another. And God, I pray for this church family that we would continue to be a light, that we would reach out to others, to be friends with others, to develop that relationship with them. And Lord, I pray that you would even bring others to us so that we can extend that friendship toward them. Most importantly, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for us on the cross and showing us what true sacrifice is so that we can know you, so that we can be with you forever. And Lord, we love you and thank you for that. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to Christ Center Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.